Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we're not experts. No, but we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And hey, you can visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, for links to everything we mention on an episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Forever 35 Podcast and join the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums. You can shop our favorite products at shopmy.us slash forever35 and sign up for the newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. You can also call or text us at 781-591-0390 and email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. Mm. I don't know why that came out, but hi. <laughs> I just want to sing you a little tune. Uh, hi. Hi, Dory. You know what? I do know what's going on. I am like day one of my menstrual cycle and okay. just really feeling it today. Okay. Yeah. You know, headache, tired, grumpy, just mm -hmm. all the things. So I'm not quite, you know, I'm not quite as present mm. as I'd like to be. And I, this also leads me to think like, man, in a matriarchy, people who get their menstrual cycles would just, you know, we just have that time off to rest. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Like I was talking to my kind of talking, you know, without getting into too much detail about my kids' lives, we've, we've been talking more about, you know, menstruation. And mm -hmm. there was this part of me that was really sad where I just had to be like, oh yeah, like you get your period and you just have to fucking go to school and live your life. Like, oh yeah, we don't accommodate for this nightmarish can be nightmarish thing that many people go through, like where you are physically ill. Mm -hmm. Oh God. Anyway. Oh, a matriarchy. What would that be? <laughs> what would that, would that be, that be like? nice? Wouldn't that be a treat? You know, <sighs> but here we are in reality. Boy, I'm starting this off really negatively. I, I did not intend to. I was so excited to just like check in about our live show that we did. It was so much fun. Oh, so much fun. Uh, I had a blast. I had a blast too. I, I think we both just want to say thank you to everyone who joined us. It was the first time we've ever really done anything like this before. And it was so much fun. I was essentially euphoric and exhausted for like 24 hours after. Mm, I love that. Did it not impact you physically in the same way as me, Dory? I mean, I, I, was, I was really on a high. I think I texted you after. You didn't and, and like, said that was amazing, much. and I'm exhausted. And I was like, "Yes, yeah. oh yeah, that was I was I was like so tired. It really took a lot out of me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in it was a like, way it's like that going I wasn't to a party. expecting. Yeah, totally. Well, right, because like 
it was well it's funny because it's not like we were doing anything that different than what we do when we record a podcast but it was a little longer than our typical podcast because we did the the main show for an hour and then the after party was half an hour and we were like in conversation the whole time which we are on the podcast but not quite in the same way because like even on the mini apps we're like reading people's emails and voicemails or you know what i mean like it was just it was just different well also we were live in front and of we an were audience. live yeah so we we're also live we couldn't you know stop or take a break or like you know burp on i mean we could burp this would be a supportive crowd for burping but it's like you know if i wanted to take a sip of water or like refill a water bottle like that's not happening we are on yes um and I even had a technical snafu that everyone just rolled with, which was great. Which was wild because I will say, like, historically, I tend to be the one with the tech issues of the pod. Like, it was shocking to me that in a live show, you were the one who had, like, a tech issue. Yeah, I think it all started when I had this, like, freak accident with my mic a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Or, like, a I was week there. ago. I witnessed it. Um. And then since then, things have just not been the same. But so people were so supportive. They were like, just keep going. Have fun. <laughs> Don't worry, yeah, Dory. Look, I was back in like a minute. Yeah, it was great. So, um, but yeah, it was really fun. It was so great to see how many people came. And Unreal. it made me feel like, hey, we could do this again. Yeah, I would love to do it again. It was so much fun. I had, it truly had a, a blast. Like it was, I was giddy and it just was such a wonderful reminder of like how incredible this podcast community is. And mm-hmm. it was just, it was so much fun. Yeah. So yeah, I think we would like to do it again for sure. It was really cool. Um, yeah. And oh, and during the show, we debuted some new merch which is available now. A really cute Reframe the Narrative hooded sweatshirt that I wore all weekend. Um, some new mugs, a new tote. And the free mugger a, mug. The free mugger is mug. here. <laughs> the horse girl mug is here. There was also a very cool limited edition live show t-shirt that if you didn't get already, I'm sorry, but it's gone. <laughs> Sorry, but maybe it'll be back maybe for our next live back. show. Yeah, who knows? You know, it's it's interesting, Dora. You mentioned that you wore that sweatshirt all weekend because you know you. Can we talk about your little getaway? Like sure. generally, so you went on a getaway with some friends, and you sent me a text on, I believe, Saturday morning, and you said, "I just woke up, and it was nine fifteen in the morning," which is, in terms of our friendship, I think the latest I've ever seen you wake up. It was pretty late. Did it feel good? Like, did you get a good chunk of uninterrupted sleep? Yes. Although I was still kind of coughing. So Mm, that was... You've been sick. Yeah. And like, I was fine. But then my cough would like come up at night. You know when that happens? Yes. Where you like think it's settled in and then it's like... Yeah. 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 So that was frustrating. Um... But what was also nice about being away was that I did sleep late and then I laid in bed for another like, I don't know, 40 minutes or something. Like I felt no pressure (laughs) 
<laughs> to get out of bed, which was really nice. Ugh, Dory. Yeah. That must have felt good. It felt really good. I'm not going to lie. Felt really good for good. you. Well, that's it's interesting. Like our guest today talks about sleep and their sleep boundaries. Yeah, and I weirdly had been just thinking the same thing this morning uh, about like setting myself up for success with rest mm. and letting myself. Like I think in my brain, I've been like, I should really be getting up at six a.m. and like doing some yoga before my kids get up for school. But I've been having a hard time waking up. Like I need, I sleep till seven every morning. And this morning I was like, why am I, I'm not meant to exercise at 6 a.m. I'm meant, my body is telling me it wants to be asleep. Like why would I? Wow. Okay. Why would I ignore it? But yeah, I mean, this just was a revelation I literally just had. And then we talked to our guest today, Bozma St. John. And I mean, she has such amazing advice about sleep boundaries that I found very inspiring. I'm very excited for you all to hear our conversation with her. But it it just it like so having that moment today, thinking about you this weekend, and then her talking about how like she sets a boundary and she gets eight to nine hours of sleep a night. And she works intense corporate high, high level jobs. Yes. And I was like But sleep is like her top priority. (laughs) Yes. Which like really it should be like we should mm-hmm. be applauding the people who make room for sleep and not the people who are like, I only need, I only got four hours. I mean, look, Ugh. if that's you, that's fine. But you know what I mean, right? There's kind of this culture where sleep is not valued. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's this like capitalist, like work hard at all costs productivity culture that mm-hmm. like frankly does seem to kind of be on its way out. A little bit. Um, Like, I feel like there's more awareness now of like that hustle and grind culture. And and especially it seems to me like a lot of Gen Z, especially is like pushing back against that. And part of that is the whole like, well, I only need to sleep four hours a night thing, which used to be like a badge of honor and now is sort of like, Ooh, what's, what's wrong with you? (laughs) You know what I mean? What's going on? Like, right. Like something must, and, and Bozma actually says this, like if you're only sleeping four hours a night, like you need, you might want to talk to a doctor. Like that's, that's not enough sleep. Um, so I don't know. That's just been like an interesting shift, I think. Well, I'm here for it. Me too. I support this shift because Me too. even I am not getting enough sleep and I can feel it so mm. deeply. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just need to, like, why would I prioritize? Well, I know why. Because of diet culture. <laughs> but why would I prioritize fitness over sleep? There's, I, I know my answer already, but you know what I mean? Like, that's what I was yeah. doing. That's what I, and mentally I was kind of doing that. So I'm not, I'm calling myself in here. I'm okay, not going to be okay, doing that. Okay. I'm not into that for me right now. Maybe maybe when it's summertime and like my body inherently gets up at 6 a.m., but right now my body is like, girl, it's fucking freezing out and dark and gray. Mm. Stay in bed. Mm-hmm. Well, should we get to our interview? Yes. Okay. Y'all, this is such a good one here. We've got Bozma St. John. She is a Hall of Fame inducted marketing executive. We're talking executive level. She's also an author, an entrepreneur, and as she likes to say, a general badass. Boz got her start in her marketing career at Spike Lee's ad agency, Spike DDB. 
Uh, she led global consumer marketing at Apple Music and iTunes. Then she served as chief brand officer at Uber and then took on the chief marketing officer role for Endeavor. And most recently, she served as the global chief marketing officer at a little company you probably have heard of, ye old Netflix. Mm-hmm. Her new book, The Urgent Life was just published from Viking Books. The book is a roadmap to navigating struggle and a touchstone for those enduring their own battles, letting them know that they are not alone and that they can make it through and that there is light and peace and even inspiration waiting for them when they do. Mm. And she says she counts her highest achievement as being a mother to her 13-year-old daughter. So we are so excited to bring you our conversation with Bozma St. John. Uh, We had a blast talking to her. We really did. Enjoy. All right. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs. It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos. And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a tretinoin gal. I love the tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is too. only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But... What I have learned is that the best way to win the gift-giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura digital Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. 
We have given this to my parents. We've given Mm -hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm -hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts I think of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about uh, we have two aura frames in our house i have Ooh. one in my office and yeah and one in our family room and do my they kids have love do it. they have the same pictures on them no they have different pictures <gasps> Ooh, mm-hmm. oh that's interesting maybe i should get one from my office i'm looking at a picture of my in- children right now right interesting mm-hmm. hmm. putting that away for later store that Yes. Uh, The Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also then you're not taking up your email storage. So win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code forever35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, Try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Forever35. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I mean, Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh. Sounds uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have honey love when I was in college. No. Well, we are here to say no more being uncomfortable. No. With honey, no. With Honey Love's bras, you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive. There's no underwire, but through some kind of wonderful magic, they managed to not sacrifice lift. All while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable, you barely know it's there. Especially the crossover bra. 
I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. Bozma, we are so happy to have you on Forever 35. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I like the Forever 35 idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. As as the podcast gets, uh, we're we've now been doing this podcast for five years, and we're each getting farther and farther away from thirty five. So <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> we're going to be like past forever forty five. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> you know keep. what? And then yeah, we'll all go there. That's fine. Totally fine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we like to start off by asking our guests about a self care practice that they have. So mm. we're wondering if there is anything in your life that you're kind of doing regularly that you would consider self-care? Yeah, sleep. <laughs> I sleep, I sleep, I sleep. I sleep really well. Like I've, And by the way, that's not a new thing. Like I've always slept very well. And by very well, I mean that like I'm getting my eight hours, sometimes nine, um, even at the heights of my career or like, you know, pressure and corporate boardrooms and all that. I was getting my sleep. Like that's something I do not play around with. And I know what it does to me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I feel... I feel less sharp. Um, mm-hmm. I feel just like I'm, I'm not in a good mood. <laughs> I'm yeah. a baby. You know what I'm saying? Like I need my sleep. And honestly, I know now I'm like going to get all, you know, philosophical and deep, but it's like, you know, when you're poised to do some real battle in boardrooms, you need every function hitting at a thousand. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I was not about to be messing around trying to get what I need to get done in boardrooms at like 60% capacity. So sleep, sleep is my self-care always, always. So I want to ask kind of how, how you set that boundary because as someone who has, you know, been such a pivotal person in corporate America where I feel Mm. like sleep is not valued. In fact, (laughs) oftentimes what's valued is operating on little to no sleep. There's that kind Mm -hmm. of, this kind of dialogue that that's what makes you a hard worker. Yeah. Did, have you had to really fight for that boundary? And do you have kind of tips and tricks on how you have, have held it for other folks who might be experiencing yeah. something similar? You could not be more right. I cannot tell you the amount of people. Well, no, I don't have to tell you. You know, the amount of people who brag about like the four hour sleep cycle, yes, whatever the yeah. nonsense is. I'm literally like, you're lying. Like, first of all, maybe you're not lying, but you're definitely unhealthy. And I'm not trying to right. use that as hashtag goals. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, what? Right. no way. Um, so no, I don't. When people say that, I literally look at them and I'm, I'm like, oh, well, you got to fix that. That's actually a problem. This is actually not good for you. Either you mm-hmm. need to see a doctor who can help you sleep more. Um, or you need to figure out how to adjust your life so that you're getting the rest that your body needs and your mind needs. Yes. You know, so I definitely don't praise that at all, but you're right that, um, Look, I've been very, very, very intentional with how to plan and schedule my life, my work life, especially, 
and home life also so that I could get the sleep that I needed. You know, it, it probably started when, um, when I first had my baby and, you know, people said ridiculous things like you should sleep when the baby sleeps. And I was like, Oh, you don't realize uh-huh. that that's when I've got to clean <laughs> and that's when I got to take a shower <laughs> and that's when I got to eat. Like it's when she falls asleep, I can finally like do stuff for me. But mm-hmm. it made more and more sense as like I got past those first early months, you know, and I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I need to figure out how actually to go to sleep at night when she goes to sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. everybody shut off all the lights, everybody go to sleep. Now, what has happened because also as my career continued to progress and I got bigger and bigger roles, I started managing global teams, which meant that, you know, when you've got to have a meeting with your team in Hong Kong or your team in Australia, uh, the time zones can be a killer, especially if you live in LA, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So now you're yeah. doing meetings at 9 p.m. when you should be really night winding down your day, you know? So again, I, I had to be very intentional, meaning that sometimes what happens is you actually just need to set the expectation even though it's scary, even though you know that people are going to look at you funny and they're probably going to judge you, you're going to have to be okay with that. Like at some point, you're going to have to talk to yourself and say, look, they are going to talk about you and it is okay. Let, let them do that. You know, because yeah. when I actually show up to work, oh, I am, I am here and I'm going to be giving you everything I have. And by the way, you're going to feel it. I'm not, I'm not like phoning it in. When I'm present, I'm a hundred percent there and I'm going to be faster than you. I'm going to be sharper than you. So you better get your sleep too, because I'm coming with my A game, you know? And so mm-hmm. therefore the expectation I've set is that when I'm in the room, I am a hundred percent in the room. I'm not even looking at my phone. I'm not distracted by any other emails or anything else. I'm locked in. And so when I am off and I'm like, Hey, look, this is do not disturb right here between the hours of 9 PM and 8 AM. Nobody talk to me. Like I'm not available. That's how I've done. It. Do you have, do you have any um, specific rituals around bedtime? Mm-hmm. And yeah. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> well, around bedtime. So um, I am somebody who really loves TV and movies and my phone. So mm-hmm. I won't pretend to be those people. Well, actually, I have a funny story about that. When I first met Ariana Huffington, you know, she has a very deep and serious rule around like electronics. So right. at the time, I don't, know if, I don't know if she still has this, but at the time she had like this, um, I don't know, she called it a phone bed. I don't know what she called yeah. it. was like, yes, yes, that's right. Are you familiar yes. with this thing? Yeah. Yes. So yes, it was like, I've she, tried she, this. So she gifted that to me, right? She was like, okay, you put it in the living room or put it somewhere away from your bedroom. And, you know, you and Lael, who's my daughter, she's like, you guys can do it together. You know, at night, everybody takes their phones, you tuck it into the bed and then you go to your room. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea until I was totally not doing that. The phone bed was over here gathering dust. The phone bed was empty. (laughs) Nobody was sleeping Um, in that phone bed. Nobody was sleeping there. So I work on more realistic expectations for myself. You know, the fact that I do like my phone and I like movies and I like TV. So my wind down is that I, I don't take any meetings or any phone calls friends or family or work past 9 p.m. You know, every everybody knows that unless it's like an emergency, think something yeah, terrible right. has happened, do not call me. I won't pick it up. And then I am, you know, maybe watching a favorite episode of a or a show of my, you know, my favorite show, like an episode, or I'm checking Instagram or something that I feel is entertaining to me that I enjoy. You know, it's like almost mindless. Um, I can do that for about an hour. 
but I have to be lights out at 10 p.m. Like absolutely lights out 10 p.m. I have to be asleep. Like otherwise it just, it won't work. What I'm, what I'm hearing from you in all of this is that you've set really great boundaries around sleep. And I'm wondering if that kind of boundary setting is something that you do in all aspects of your life. And how Mm. did you get good at that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Actually, you know what? You're right. (laughs) I do have those boundaries everywhere. (laughs) I'm like, like, wait, is this, I'm like, are you my therapist? Is that what's happening here? No. How how do we get here? (laughs) You've got a new course to write for all of us. (laughs) I'm like, wait, hold on. You don't look like my therapist, but damn. (laughs) Um, No, but you're right. You're right. I think now that I think about it, I do have, I do have pretty solid boundaries. Mm-hmm. And actually maybe it's even more than boundaries. It's like, um, scheduling, yeah. you know, that is, it just helps me to organize my life. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not one of those people that can like manage in chaos, even when chaotic mm-hmm. situations have happened to me. You know, I try to put some order in the chaos mm-hmm. because that's the only way I know how to sort of manage myself. And that's yes. a very big distinction from managing the chaos. The chaos is going to yes. co- the chaos is going to be the chaos. Yeah, yeah. But how do I manage myself within the chaos? You know, I look at it like a storm. If you ever lived in the Midwest, you know that if a tornado or a big storm is coming, you can't control mm. the tornado. You can't control the storm. But what can you do? You tape up your windows. You got a basement. You got some provisions down there. It's the same type of mentality that it's like, mm-hmm. look, you just need to get prepared. So that you can organize, so you can survive the storm or survive the chaos, whatever the thing is. And sometimes the chaos is your work. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's your kids or your relationship. Mm-hmm. Lord have mercy. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> any, any number of things that could be the chaos that you just don't feel like you have the ability to control because it keeps throwing things at you. You know, unexpected. Yeah. They just keep coming out of the left field. But it's like, yeah. okay, the one thing I can manage is myself, my own yeah. boundaries, my schedule, even if things come in like disrupt my schedule, more often than not, I am within the confines of it and I feel very comfortable there. And so that's how I've really been able to manage these things. So even in um, like how I interact with my daughter, you know, mm. like our like our literal schedule, you know, yeah. when um, I'll, I'll jump to a, a point like my husband passed away in 2013. My daughter was four. Uh, he died of cancer. And we, oh, man, I don't even know. I've written a whole book, but I still can't articulate (laughs) what that moment was like and the kind of confusion and fear and grief that I was thrown into. Um, But one thing that came out of it for her and I, which I'm just, I'm so thankful, you know, is that it just changed my perspective on motherhood. It changed my perspective on how I would interact with her in that she was no longer a person for me to manage. She was no mm. longer like this thing over there that I've got to like, okay, get, you know, do the play dates and da, 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 and get the clothes and get the food. And, you know, it was no longer like that. I was like, oh, honey, <laughs> look, I did not plan to be a single mom. I don't even know what that is. I was like, and, and I don't know what, I don't know what to do with you. You're four years old and I'm just looking out at like years yeah. of this. And it was mm-hmm. terrifying. So mm-hmm. I looked at her and I was like, look, you're going to help me. You're going to have to help me to raise you. You have to tell me what you need. I will tell you what I need. And at the time, I was also on a very steep trajectory in my career, you know? And, and look, again, I'm not, I'm not apologizing for the things about me that other people might be like, Ooh, she should not say that. No, I am highly ambitious. I, I knew then that I wanted to get to the top. I was already on my way. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Hey, look, honey, I may be a single mom now, but I'm still going. 
I'm, I'm still on my way up. Like I, that is still important to me. And so how do we manage this schedule so that I know when you need me to be someplace? And then she was four. I was having this conversation. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, imagining me having this with my kids and I'm like, they're, I'm t- they're 12 and 10. <laughs> but the thing like, is that I- like, we, but like, look, she, she, the amazing thing is even at that time, she was able to articulate things to me because I allowed her the space to. Yeah. Her voice was important in my house, in our house, rather. You know, and so I was able to say, look, what are the things like, okay, we're looking at all these play dates and the, you know, the the choir recital and the dance recital and the basketball game. And mommy can't do all these things. I'm not going to be here for all the things. So tell me, what are the things that are really, really important? Like, what are the things? And at that time, I would say things like, if I wasn't there, you would feel bad. What are, what are the things? Mm. You know? And so she would point things out and she could, she could articulate like the things that would make her feel badly if I wasn't there. And so I remember once it was the first day of school and, um, I had on the calendar and she had not said that the first day of school was going to be important. Okay. I had a meeting. I was living in LA or we were living in LA. I was working for Apple at the time and, um, oof, what a, crazy time that was. I had to fly, I was flying up to Cupertino from LA every single day, every day I was doing that. Yes. Every day I had made a plan and the flight is like 45 minutes, but you know, the commute with getting to the airport and everything else was like, you know, an hour and a half, but I would, I would, I made a deal with her school. (laughs) She was going to this lovely Catholic school in Los Angeles, made a deal with the administration that I could drop her off at seven 30. I would race to the airport be able to catch the 8.45 a.m. flight, be able to walk into a meeting at 10 a.m., do my day, um, leave, catch the 6.20 flight back, walk into my house by 8 p.m. and put her to bed by 8.30. I did that every day for like two years. I know it was, it was good. But for me, it was like what I needed to do in order to feel like I was both getting what I needed for my career because I truly enjoy it and also be there for her. By the way, I was still asleep by nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, now we got to wait I was, a second. Wow. I was still in bed. Hold I was on. Wow. still in bed. No, because look, the thing is that like everything is a choice. We are making choices mm. every day. We pretend as if like, oh my gosh, I can't because I have to do it. No, no, no. You're making choices. You're making choices. So what are the choices you're making? What are the choices also, you're making? I appreciate that you're also saying you you can't do it all. No. That's not human. It's not possible. But you can, you can do some of it. Yes. And you yes. can do when you're doing some of it, it sounds to me like you're trying to do, you're setting up ways for yourself to do it to the best of your ability within that's the right. means that you, you can. Yes, that's right. And that's why to me, like in mothering her, it was important to understand what are the things that are important to her. I cannot do everything. I won't yeah. be there for every single day. I won't be there for the bake sale. You know, and I'm sorry, I lost the thread. What I was going to say is that it was the first day of school. I knew I was going to miss it. Um, we had already talked about it, but her little six-year-old brain could not, you know, commit. <laughs> so, you know, a couple of days before school started, she's just like, oh, you know, the like the letter came in or whatever that asked parents to come and hang out for the whole day. And she's like, oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. And I was like, oh, no, hold on. We, no, we agreed. I'm going to be in Cupertino. There's no way I can come to first day. And, you know, she started to get, she was looking disappointed. And I was like, okay, let's talk about this. I was like, what I can do, I can take a little bit of a later flight. Okay. I'm going to move some meetings around so I can take, but look, I've talked to her like she's, is, is an employee. <laughs> like she, 
She's in the you know what I mean? Well, I you're like, on a team. You're yes. you're like on a team together, right? We're on right? a team. And I Life have to team. explain things. Yes. And even though she's six or she was six at the time, I was like, look, I, I have to go to these meetings. And we talked about this and we agreed that I would miss the first day of school. But what I'm going to do now is I can move some meetings around. I can't stay all day, but I'll move some meetings around so I can be there at least for the first couple of hours. You know, so we get to school. We're doing our little thing. She's, I'm packing the bag. I'm setting up her desk. And I see her in the corner with her little girlfriends. I can overhear them. And one of the, and all the parents are milling around. I'm also feeling pretty shitty myself, to be honest with you, that, uh, you know, I can see all the parents are staying, sticking around, even though Lael and I had agreed. And mm. I hear her talking to her friends and she's like, oh, you know, my, I think she's like trying to set them up, you know, like my mom can't stay the whole day. And I'm feeling crushed. You know, I'm just like, oh, God. But then she says, then she's using the words I used earlier in the day. She was like, well, she had a very busy day, but she moved some meetings <laughs> so that she can be here for a couple of hours. And then she's going to get on the plane and she's going to go to her work at Apple. And then she's going to come home and I'm going to tell her all about my day. Mm. And I was like, yeah, there we have it. You know, it's like, I'm going to continue doing the things I want to do. Um, I want to make sure that she has a voice. She's heard in our house, even when she changes her mind on some things. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to apologize for wanting to do the things that are going to make me feel satisfied as an executive, as a ambitious woman in business. Like I want to do all of those things. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, we're back. I had been watching uh, earlier this, or I guess la end of last week, an interview that you did at mm -hmm. South by Southwest with Ashley Graham. Oh, and you, yeah. you say to her at some point in the conversation, my experience is worthy. And I, I think you were speaking about it in the context of your professional experience. Mm. Um, and you've, you've been on such an amazing professional journey as we've been talking about. And it just kind of led me to wonder if, have you always known that your experience is mm. worthy and mm. has value? Or is that something that you had to, to, to learn? Mm. Because I, I feel like that's, that's a, that's a challenging thing to see our own worth, not just in ourselves, but in our experience, yes. in our experiences, especially as we age. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is a really good one because, um, my, I'll give the credit to my mom, um, on helping me to understand my worthiness 
pretty early. So my family moved from Ghana to Colorado Springs, Colorado when I was 12. Um, as you can imagine, at 12 years old, I didn't want to be different from anybody. You know, I mean, if you remember, I mean, I think we want to be 35 now, but remember when you were 12 and well, maybe not you, but for me, I was not cute, not as cute as I am now. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to be like everybody else. You know, people were, they were mm. white. They had lived in Colorado Springs almost their whole lives. They all knew each other. They were all about the same religion. You know what I'm saying? I just wasn't. Everything else was so different about me. And there was a particular day when I'd finally broken in. And you know how hard that joint is to break into the clique. You know, I'd finally broken in. I was finally not just, you know, I'd been invited to their house or like, you know, some of the girls' houses for Friday night dinner and stuff like that. Um, and finally, they had accepted my invitation to come to my house. So I get back to my house, you know, preparing, whatever. And my mom is like about to make some dinner. And I see that she's making some very fragrant food. <laughs> I use the word fragrant carefully. You know what I'm saying? There was a whole lot of spices and smells coming out of the kitchen. So I go to her and I'm just like, hey, look, like these kids, they're not used to our food. They don't not used to our spices. Like, can we just like order some pizza? Just keep it simple like get some Coke. Like, I don't understand, you know, like just keep it simple. And I thought I was saying something that was going to be helpful. And mm. she, I remember her face when she rounded on me, you know, and she just looked at me direct. Like I, I, like I feel 12 right now telling the story. Yeah. And yeah. she looked at me and she said, when you go to their house, you can eat their food and you can speak their language. When they come to our house, they will eat our food and speak our language. And I looked at her like, this woman has lost her goddamn mind. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I was like, How? what are you talking about? You know, I was just like, these kids are not going to be able to eat the food. Like, they, first of all, it's going to like burn their mouths because it's too much pepper. They're not going to understand a word we're saying. Like, I don't even understand what you're talking about. But the thing is that it was such an important lesson, you know, and she did, by the way, she made them eat our food. And to this day, like they're my girlfriends from back then, who, by the way, were also friends. Mm -hmm. um, they just had a reunion. Like last week, I couldn't go. Cause you know, busy and work and all that. Um, but like they ask for her food all the time, you know, they'll just be like, Oh, she wow. makes a spinach dish called contumbre. And they'll be like, Oh, your mom's spinach. Can we come over and have some, you know? Um, but what it taught me was something so much deeper. And of course I couldn't put that together until adulthood, but the reason why I'm able to, you know, walk into places and understand my worth is because of that moment. Yeah. You know, knowing that like, look, I don't have anything to be ashamed of. My my experiences are as worthy as your experiences. My language is as important as your language. My food is as important as your food. Like, I'm not saying that anybody's is better or worse or anything like that, but it is as worthy, like just just as worthy comparatively, equally. So why should I shrink myself? Why should I feel badly about that? You know? And so for me, that is what has really helped me to understand that. Now, I won't pretend as if there have been experiences which have made me feel unworthy mm. or people who haven't tried to mm -hmm. knock me down a peg or two. Oh, that happens all the time. It happens now. But at the same time, I have the foundation of really like in my core, in my soul, understanding how worthy I am. Mm. What a moment. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I did I believe you did you write about that in the book? I feel like I read I, a, I read that somewhere but now I'm blanking because I've been I've been I reading a lot of you know, a lot have. of stuff I don't about even you, know so. if I did. To be honest with you, there's so many stories. 
<laughs> well, there were, I mean, there were so many, there were f- several moments that really stuck with me where you were describing the experience of being the only black person in the room, whether it was, mm-hmm. you know, with Peter's family or mm-hmm. in the Netflix C-suite. And yeah. it did really kind of move me in those moments of how much you had to kind of bring to those interactions mm. um, to be able to navigate them. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the thing is that like, look, I think it was a surprise to Peter as well, <laughs> you know, mm. um, because here's a, a white man, right. Who we're in love. Everything is great. We think, you know, it's like, yes, we want to spend the rest of our lives together. Like what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> you know, um, mm. but at the same time, there were the challenges of our, yeah, of our race and culture, the differences in that. Now, look, if you had asked Peter then, you know, like, are you racist? Are you biased? Of course you would say no, right? Because like, what? I mean, he, he wasn't by all accounts, but the truth of the matter is that like he was a, you know, second generation Italian American white man, Catholic from Worcester, Massachusetts. There wasn't a whole lot of diversity happening in his community, you know? And no, of course, he wouldn't be outwardly like calling people names or like, you know, discriminating. But he also didn't just didn't have the experiences of diversity. You know, so oftentimes I think about that. And I I remember even at the start of the pandemic, I kept getting on these, you know, interviews, like, you know, broadcast interviews. I was, I think I was one on like MSNBC when literally it was like, I think I rolled my eyes. I was so annoyed, you know, by, you know, I was, I think I was on a, some sort of panel with some other CEOs and they were asking us like, you know, what to do about racial reckoning and all of this stuff. And I was so annoyed because I was just like, look, like you keep talking about policy changes and like writing laws and all that. I was like, but how about your own company, you know, or like your own family, your own circle of friends? I was like, do you have any black friends? Do you have any other friends who are not like you in like your inner circle though, you know? And the truth of the matter might be no, I'm not asking you to go pull some random black person off the street and say, oh, now you're my friend, you know, and represent the entire race. I was like, but we all have to be self-aware of our actual environments. You know, where are your inputs coming from? And again, I'm not saying anybody needs to feel shame over that, or I'm going to point the finger and say, ah, you, you are racist. You know, that's not the point of the exercise. It's just that we need to be more self-aware about who we are and how we operate and what our inputs are that are coming to us. Right. And the same for Peter that, um, I was so, I, I obviously I understood, I think the concept of like, okay, white man walking around the planet, knowing that he's in charge of everything. I think I understood that from a philosophical standpoint. It was very different being up close and personal to it, you know, because I remember once I wrote about this in the book that, um, I, we went to Ghana together for the first time. You know, and I was so excited to take him because, of course, I, you know, it's where my family's from. I wanted him to get the experience of culture and food, you know, the things we've just talked about. Um, but in the back of my mind, I also, and this is why I didn't articulate to him. I think I did put it in the book. I didn't articulate to him that, like, I also wanted him to feel what I feel when I'm walking around here. You know, I wanted him to feel what it's like to be othered, yeah. to feel like you're just not one of the people because I feel that every day even in my city that I live in, you know? And we got there and he did not feel that at all. He was still king. He walked around like he still owned everything. And I was like, oh, shoot. I had no idea <laughs> that you would, uh, you literally feel comfortable everywhere on the planet. Mm, Shocking. Wow. 
I was just oh like, yo, you never feel like afraid. You never feel like, ooh, I don't belong here. Maybe I should back away from this room. Yeah. Like, you just never feel like that ever anywhere. Yo, it blew my entire mind. And I was angry about it. Mm, Pissed off. Yeah. Like, I was just like, how dare you walk around this planet like you own everything? Oh, oops, you do. Okay. Let me get back to what I was thinking. You know, it was like, but mm-hmm. it was hard to reconcile those feelings. And also, of course, I love the man. Yeah. You know, it was it was hard to reconcile all of that. Can you tell our readers a little bit about your book and kind of what you hope folks take away yeah. from reading it? Yeah, my book. Um, so I wrote it. I started writing it because I wanted to capture the months. Well, actually, it was more like a few weeks. Um, when we found out that my husband's cancer would be terminal and that it was a real pivot and inflection point in my life, which just turned my sort of like, you know, my exuberance for life, my impatience and things that I would do mm. um, into more pointed, purposeful, intentional urgency. You know, it was at that point that my life changed and I was like, oh gosh, no, wait, hold on. I can't just rush through this thing. Like I really have to, this thing, I'm talking my life. <laughs> I've got to be really intentional about what I want to do. I want to expand my years, not just lengthen them, you know? And when I started writing, it was a surprise to me. Maybe it won't be sound like a surprise to you, but it was a surprise to me that I was pulling on other threads that pulled other memories, other experiences together. And as I was writing, I was like, oh my gosh, well, that connects to this other thing that happened. And that connects to this other thing that happened. And before you know it, I had a whole tapestry of memories, you know, that were some very, very traumatic, some fun and happy. Um, A lot of it was about how my evolution as a person has contributed to this urgency that I live now. And so even as I was pitching the book, you know, a lot of publishers were, you know, saying, well, you know, we want the business book. We Mm. want the how to be a badass book. We want the how to become a marketing guru book. We want a book for women that tells them how to you know, like skip the rungs on the ladder and kick down the bad guys. You know, they wanted that book. Wow. And um, I was just like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I understand why you want that book. But there's no book like that without first understanding why I'm like this. You know? The reason I'm like this is because of the traumas, because yeah. of the loss, because yeah. of the urgency, my survival. That's why I'm like this. And so I can't jump all the way to oh, be badass without talking about what I've overcome. And I especially feel like for all of us, especially women, like we've been so, we've been made to feel like we can't bring any of those vulnerabilities into our work or any place, really. It's almost as if like it's weakness to admit the things that perhaps are dogging you, you know, making you feel like you're less than or making you feel weak. First of all, that word weakness, I'm like, it can't be an expression of like what life does to you. I mean, look, I feel very, very strong, very, very powerful in spite of the things that have happened and maybe because of the things that have happened to me. And so I wrote the book for that reason. I think it's time for us to talk more openly about, you know, some of these things that have happened to us that um, can make it appear as if you're weak because you have all these scars from the traumas of life. But yet, really, it's like what makes us super duper strong. Well, it's like, as you said, your experience has worth and is, is worthy. I mean, this is part of it, right? Like, yeah. these are all the things that that yeah. 
we bring to the table yes. and they have such value, whether or not, you know, even if some folks perceive them as weaknesses or as yeah. flaws or lesser than yeah. they're not. But that's the, that's the thing is that like, look, I, I have um, a pretty dramatic story, but I don't think it's unique. I don't think my experiences are just like, oh my gosh, look at this. Like no one can compete with mm. her traumas. <laughs> like we've all been through some stuff. Yeah. Everybody has, you know? And so I just wonder if there's space for us to consider our own worthiness and our strength because of the things that we've overcome or because of the things we're, we're dealing with and still being able to show up at the bake sale and in the boardroom and at church and at like weekend soccer, like, you know what I'm saying? Like we should, we should still feel like all of those things that make us who we are, are actually gathering to make us that much more important. You know, like we're important in the moments and in our lives. Like I, I think about, um, I, I've talked about this sometimes, like about biology and science, physics, this idea of matter, you know, that, um, when you look at matter, all it takes is one molecule for the entire matter to change. You know, it's not like a whole bunch. Like you don't take out half of the thing of the matter and then it changes. No, it's one, literally one molecule. So if you consider that your work or your school or your communities matter and you are a molecule, your addition to that thing changes it completely. And when you're not there, it changes again. So why would you consider that you don't matter? Why would you think that like your presence is not something to be accounted for, you know, and bringing all of the experiences you have. So I am completely unapologetic in my work or any other place. When it's like, I have to put my stamp on something. Oh, look, every place I've ever worked has my fingerprints all over that thing. I, I am, I am a better executive because of the things I've, that have happened to me. You know, I am much more empathetic because I'm a widow. Yeah. Because my mother had cancer twice because I've lost a baby because my boyfriend died by suicide because I feel guilt over all those things that I cannot change that I think about constantly and wish I could. I'm a better person because of all those things. And so if I can bring that, then hopefully people I work with, people I interact with will also feel comfortable bringing those things. And I wish all of us could do that more and we could be a better society for being more empathetic. Mm. Well, Postman, this has been a freaking yeah. treat to get to talk to you. I gotta say, I'm leaving here feeling like inspired and moved same energized also like very eager to go to bed tonight not have anybody bother <laughs> <Yeah>. me <laughs> really it's I, you know it's funny you mentioned it i was i've been thinking about how i have to really set this bedtime boundary for mm, myself and mm, get mm. eight hours of sleep so mm. it's, you came you said it at the right time okay i'm telling you kate like this is it's, it's so wonderful sleep is so wonderful i get it get it honey you deserve it Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> um, that. Bozma, well, where yes, where can our listeners find you if they want to follow you and oh, yes. get your book? Well, I mean, I named myself a badass because I am. So I'm at Badass Bose on almost every social network there is. <laughs> um, my book is available everywhere. Books are sold. Yay. Yay. And um, yeah, I, I hope to continue to be in many public spaces you know, so that we can continue to share. So hopefully they'll, they'll find me in any of those places, but also just look for me. I'm around. Great. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to get to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Dory, I, I, I shared this with you and Bozma um, after we stopped recording. Mm. 
about how I had seen her at a uh, Hollywood event. Yes. <laughs> that was, it was the Writers Guild Award, which honors, you know, writing and TV and film. And, you know, writers, like, it's it's not all, always like, you know, like the Oscars fashion-wise. That's a very <laughs> diplomatic assessment. <laughs> for, some of, for some folks it is, but like, it's a different vibe. It's a different crowd. It, it's a different yes, crowd. And at, at the time, my husband was actually nominated for a show he had been writing on called Dead to Me. And so we were with other Netflix people and across from me at a table was Bozma. And I was like, and she was like in the coolest outfit I had ever seen. Yeah. And I just remember like asking the table, like, who is that? <laughs> and then finding out like she was on the corporate side of things. Cause I think uh. so often we equate fashion with not with corporate America, like fashion, yeah. you know, like people expressing yeah. themselves through fashion. I, I yeah. know when I worked in like very strict corporate America, finance, hello, in a past life, mm. I worked at Alliance Bernstein in a terrible time of my life, but I would wear like just gray suits. Wow. Yeah. I've never told you about that part of my life, Dory, but it was not good. It was a bad time. We have not discussed that. I was an assistant. Yeah. Anyway, she was wonderful. I loved getting to chat with her. She was very cool. She was very, very cool. We also, we didn't even get to talk about her makeup and her nails, which were really spectacular, but so cool. Yeah. That was maybe another conversation. Next time, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we shared intentions on our live show as well as on our last live episode two weeks ago. And I, I had intended to be chill traveling to New York City, which I was. Mm -hmm. And it was great. I even brought my travel yoga mat and did some travel yoga a couple Ooh. times. Like just 10 to 15 minutes of stretching, but it was really nice. Um, I love my travel yoga mat. I'll, we'll link to it. It's made by Manduka. And uh, if you weren't present for our after live show after party, I... My intention there was to delete TikTok off my phone, and I did, and I'm I'm not liking it, but I, I haven't put it back on. I love that. I was wasting so much time on TikTok, speaking of bedtime boundaries, so it's gone off my phone. Oof. And like, maybe well, I don't ever need to be on TikTok. Maybe I can let that pass me by. Yeah, I mean might be the kind of thing that like is hard for you to moderate and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe it's just easier for you if you don't do it at all. We'll see how that goes. I'm only a few days okay. in, but this week, Dory, I yes. have vowed to figure out some body movement again. Um, I've been really kind of just taking it slow with exercise and moving my body. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I'm playing pickleball, I'm horseback riding, I'm going for nice walks with my dogs, I'm doing some yoga and stretching, but I'd like to get back into just a little bit. I like I like something to look forward to. And um, I actually did this today. I kind of can already check this one off because I went to my old Pilates studio today for the first time since almost probably before the COVID pandemic began. Oh, wow. And I did a like cardio Pilates class, like a jump class on the reformer. Oh, it was so was hard. It was so hard. It was so much fun. Uh, I love, I really love Pilates. It's gentle for my body. So I'm, I'm going to hopefully go back. I'm just kind of like 
experimenting with different movements, seeing what feels good. Love that for you. Thank you. That's very cool. Talk to me. Where are you in the intention zone? Um, Okay. So my intention last week was to avoid bedtime creep. And I actually know bedtime creep. Yeah. And, you know, I think I actually did a pretty good job of that, especially considering that, you know, I was away for a few days and it would have been really easy to just like stay up late. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like there was nothing else. Like there's nothing else to do really. I didn't have to be up at a certain time. But I went to bed like relatively early. So that was nice. Um, I actually have a similar intention for this week as you because I have been sick and I've been trying to, I haven't really been exercising because I have really been trying to like honor my body (laughs) and rest. Um, And it was interesting because in the midst of my sickness, I read this article that I think ran on the New York Times a few months ago, but they just like, they like resurfaced it recently. You know how sometimes they do that with like health yeah. articles? Pop a new um, headline on there. Pop a new yeah, title or whatever they and, call it. Yeah. And they talk about exercising while you're sick. And they quote someone as saying, the most popular advice is to do what's referred to as the neck check, where if symptoms are above the neck, exercise is probably safe. So if your only symptoms are nasal congestion and a low-grade headache, for example, a light workout shouldn't make your cold worse. This is what the article says. But then it says if you do have symptoms below the neck, such as a hacking cough, chest discomfort, nausea, diarrhea, or body-wide symptoms like fever, muscle aches, or fatigue, then it's not a good idea to exercise. And I had like the definition of a hacking cough. Yeah, you did. Like it was, it was a hacking cough. So I did not, um, I did not exercise. And I feel like now I'm pretty much better. And so I'm going to kind of ease back into things. So I'm going to copy your intention for the week. I love it. I love it. <sighs> so yeah. Well, moving slowly. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <sighs> Well, Kate, this has been really fun. And I'm happy to do this with you. Likewise. And I just want to remind everyone that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrier, and Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager. Our network partner is ACAST. We'll talk to you all again soon. Farewell. Bye. <laughs>